Welcome to another episode of the Student Manager Podcast. It's Fonger News. And yes, we are talking abroad. We're going abroad series with Raman. He's out in Chelsea, New York, having an internship, but he recently got back from Milan and it was a quick turnaround. Raman, great to have you aboard. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Excited to be as resourceful as I can about this and uh, glad you're doing this. It's going to be super helpful for people, I hope. Absolutely. We're talking Milan, Italy, but before we uh, get going, we always got to pay the bills. We are sponsored by my friend's whiskey distillery. It's called The Journeyman. As a matter of fact, you're from St. Louis, Missouri. I think the only places in the United States you can get this is in Southern Missouri. It's called The Journeyman. Sean Pronger, Chris Pronger, former NHL players, right? St. Louis Blues. It's their whiskey. So if you want good whiskey, we're trying to get it out to all the students out there and anybody now that they're graduating to, journeyman whiskey. So, Raman, why did you pick Milan, Italy? It's a great question. It's a great one to start off with. I got to say that the whiskey thing's awesome because I'm friends with uh, Chris Pron- or Jack Pronger, his son, Chris Pronger's son. No way. I got to let them know. Now, now you're gonna, we'll send them the prod, podcast and they're going to say, see, you do have advertisements. You do have some sponsorships. Mr. Fong is hooking you up. So good to know that. Authentic, authentic plugin. Yeah. So no, the Milan decision was a super spontaneous one for me. I was originally signed up to go to Barcelona with all my best friends. And I was like, I had just gotten back from a summer, the summer before uh, I was in London at London School of Economics. I met a bunch of Italian people and they were like, you would kill it in Milan. Like you're going to like, it's like the New York. I remember them saying it was like, it's like the New York city of Italy. Like there's always something happening. It's chaotic, but everyone's like dressed super well. This is that. And I'm like, all right, why not? Let's do it. I had never been with my family. That was another thing. I'd never been at all to, to Milan and I want to do something new. And I had one, I had a, co- just a couple buddies doing it with me. And, and like, I, I was very happy with the decision and it's an awesome vibrant city, fashion capital of the world. Absolutely. So what program did you go through? Because I know there's like right two programs that most people do their study abroad with. Who did you go with? Yeah. So my program was IES and Bocconi University. So I took two classes through IES and two classes through Bocconi, which is awesome. Like it was a perfect blend of like, I mean, when you go to a school like Bocconi, it's like this premier like economics university in, Europe, in Italy and in all of Europe. So you have you have kids from everywhere, Switzerland. You have people from France, Spain, like everywhere coming to, to go there. And you, and like a, the classroom is just a melting pot and it's super, super cool. One of my good friends from the program was from Geneva, which is awesome. But yeah, I mean, I, the class, the like course selection also at Bocconi, I was super compelled by it. A little bit more of a challenge, but I was happy to do it. So if I heard you correctly, because most students I'm talking to, or even my daughter, Julia, who you know at Wisconsin, uh, go through one program, you went through two different programs. Yeah, exactly. So IES gives you the option to apply to Bocconi University. And I took them up on that and took two classes there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's a good distinction to make, but yeah. Absolutely. Now at Wisconsin, did you go to Milan with your other peers or students? Are you meeting? Did you meet people? Bottom line, did you have friends going there or were you like, screw it, I'm just going to go out there and whoever I meet, I meet, or I'm at least going with a couple of friends from Wisconsin or maybe from somewhere else? Yeah, absolutely. It was a little bit of both. I had one kid from my pledge class in my fraternity going, my friend Daniel. And as far as I knew, it was just us two. And then I had one friend from home I knew was going. And it just be like the crew that was there was all in the similar boat. Like everyone had one or two friends 
And that kind of was the perfect balance of familiarity from home and then brand new friends too that you're that you're meeting day one. It felt like freshman year, like moving into the dorms. You have like, you know, people walking around knocking on each other's door, like like saying what up and going out to bars and stuff. Like it was just a very much so like spontaneous thing and you, you meet a ton of people. Indiana was a primary, they have a lot of it is a big feeder into that program. But okay. so your question, a little bit of both, and I think it's a good way to go about it. So I heard a lot of University of Indiana is also there in Milan. And then obviously you were there with your friend Daniel from your fraternity at University of Wisconsin and some other peers. And one of the big questions that students, and maybe you had this issue, either yourself or even your parents might thinking like, Roman, like, where are you going to live? So how did you determine is housing part of the program or did you have to go off campus housing and find it on your own? So it's very integrated, very smooth. It's in within the IS program, finding that housing. There's one day, the specific with the Milan program, there's one day called like click day where everyone has to log on and pick your, you have to pick your housing and they all fill up in like a second. So kind of a stressful thing. As long as you're prepped, as long as, you know, you're reading your emails that they send you, they tell you exactly when it goes down and all that. But the building I was in was called Aparto and it was basically, I mean, you're familiar with the hub in Madison. It was literally the hub of Milan. So amenities wise, like blew me away, gym movie theater, study rooms, all that. It was like, a, they built it like two years ago or something. So I, I was not, I thought I was going to be living in a shoebox or something or something old, but it was, it was awesome. I had my own, everyone had singles and, and kitchenettes and everything. It was by far uh, beyond expectations. All right. So it wasn't like Barcelona when I was visiting Julia where the elevator was all ratchet and like beds and rooms. And there weren't any windows. You're telling me you had a single in Milan. Yes, I, at the whole building we all had singles. It was, it was awesome, and yeah, when I when I visited Barcelona, I was saying to my buddy, his yeah, the front door just had never locked, and so I felt so bad. Like at some point, they had someone some burglars walking. But no, yeah, it, it was very much so a new building and stuff. Yeah, let's say you did not get that building. What was if you didn't do the click day in time? What happens if you did not make that building? Are you staying in some? other area is it older is it near everything that's that was the thing as i think the other options would have been like the biggest constraint of them were that was geographically like they were kind of far they weren't none of them were like not nice and not new but they were all like like milan is a very much a metropolitan city and you've got to know that going into it the perks of that is that it's like a very you know the transportation is is smooth it's perfect in terms of transportation all locals and very little little tourist activity going on. You're not there's not lines and stuff like that. But that means like it's getting like everyone's scattered everywhere and it's a big city and stuff like that. So so when when from the program's perspective, they're trying to put students in different places. It's hard for them to lock down a full building and make it you know that this is the, for an abroad dorm or what, or whatever. So there's pretty scattered around. So that's why it's good to like kind of know who, have a couple people that you know in the program that are going to be living for sure in your building because. Everyone's scattered pretty uh, significantly. So the friends that you met, because I've had uh, some guests on from Florence and, and Barcelona, like even Julia was saying, they had friends in different areas. And it took, you know, you had it somewhere in neighborhoods like where families lived and others were where all the college students lived. Were these neighborhoods easy to get to? Did you have friends in other areas where you guys said, hey, we'll go in your area. Maybe there's some bars out there or some things to do out in that area. Or did everyone kind of just live in their own areas and they all went to the same 
not school and classes, but also the same entertainment now and nightlife. It was super interconnected. And there's one neighborhood that is like predominantly like student nightlife, but they're, you know, the, the best restaurants are somewhere else. And then the best so-and-so is somewhere else. And then the best, you know, tourist act, like if you want to go see the, the Duomo, which is the main centerpiece of the Milan kind of, that's its own little area with, you know, different views and stuff like that. So I, w- I would say no one ever stuck in their in their region, which is obviously good. But then you had, yeah, my friend Ollie, who's from Australia, lived in a very northern part of town. So when we were going to his, whenever we were going to his place, he's right next to, in my opinion, the best restaurant in the world called the Oscar. It's not very touristy. It's called D.A. Oscar, like name Oscar. The Oscar. Okay. Let's talk about the Oscar real quick. Like, why is it the best restaurant, not touristy? What should a student get? Maybe if you invite mom and dad in town, what are we getting at the Oscar? Yeah, the Oscar. So it's not what, so, you know, when you go to Rome and you go, there's like the, you know, the two, the very like famous places. I know one of them was like Austria Fortunati. So you know, everyone's Instagram, all that stuff. This is a place that I had recommended to me from um, an, Ita- an Italian kid in my, in my school. And it, it, they have a special sauce called the Oscar sauce. And that's, it's like they have a tagliatelle, they have a gnocchi, the different pasta, but they throw their famous sauce on it. And it's like, it's, it's like a little, it's got, it's super flavorful, like a little bit on the spicy side, but the inside of this restaurant is like so authentic Italian. If you like you're in the twenties and it's not very like nice, the whole thing isn't about it being nice. They have their house wine. They have, it's just like very authentic Italian. You have the family, the family um, that owns it. You have that. You can literally, if you walk on your way to the bathroom, you'll see them like chopping up the gnocchi, like. The daughter, okay. like, and the grandma, and they like they're serving them. They, the family members are serving you too. That's like authentic. That's old school, real Italian, Italiano. Exactly, exactly. And and if you Google, if you like Google best restaurants in Milan, like that's not going to come up. I promise you, it's not going to come up. But if All you right. ask around and you talk to the right people and the people that have lived in you know Bergamo and Puglia and Milan, they'll be like, yeah, the Oscar is this one, and that's D A like D A Oscar, the name Oscar. That's why we have this podcast because we talk about the little things that you don't really hear, right? On the Googling and on the internet, like where to go. So we'll get into that because like, did your parents come visit you? Yes. My mom came twice. She couldn't hold back. She had to come twice. She came twice. All right. Here's a question. Did she come on the front end or the back end? So she came the first time, I believe was a month in the program. She was just stopping by. She was, she was traveling to go see family, I have family in, in Turkey, and she was stopping by, and it was perfect because she dropped off a bag for me. So logistically, if you're a parent, I would try to. A lot of the kids that were really th- like happy about the whole bag situation were the ones where their parents dropped, like, picked up a bag on the on the way home at the very end. So you had, so I, I don't know. I was lucky because on my way on the, on my mom's way in, dropped off an extra bag for me so I could travel around, and then right. on the way on on the next time. Towards the end of the program, when she visited, she took a bag home for me. So I had, to, I had try, I basically had, you know, a bag, one last bag to carry home, which was great. But no, I like that's to joke that, nice. that. I mean, that's something. I mean, I picked up Julia at the end, so we were lugging three suitcases out together. Or you know what? She actually shipped one home. So if you're listening, like, yeah, ship a suitcase home if you don't have a parent picking it up. But that's great advice. Like. Drop off a bag, bring bag up, bring a bag home. So right, and even just think about those logistics uh, in advance and, and stuff like that. Because 
like the night before, you know, your last couple nights in Europe, you're like, I'm going out every single night. Like, I want to make the most of it. Or you have an exam, whatever it is. You're not thinking, necessarily thinking about that very much. Right. So when your parents were, when, when mom was in town, right? Because I kind of did this with Julia. She made my, she, she did the whole itinerary and agenda. I'm your dad. I'm in town. Or, you know, when your mom was in town, what am I doing in Milan? Like, give, give me, and I might be only there for, you know, three or four days, however long. What am I doing? I mean, the short answer is you shop. I, I joke that my mom wasn't visiting me. She was visiting Prada. So if you're, for any of the shoppers out there, I would say Milan is the is like the shopping, like Disney World. Not necessarily my my thing, but my mom was big on, on that. The main Galleria de Emmanuel, right by the Duomo, there's just like, the very first Prada store ever. Um, okay. All, this, all these designer stores. But then you also have your other districts. I'm sure I forget the name of them, but Corso Como is a street in the northern part of town with those smaller boutique stores that I think my mom really, really loved. But I would say the the like activity that you absolutely have to do is an aperitivo. So right at seven o'clock sharp, all of Milan is out and about doing aperitivos, drinking spritz, Negronis. So the, the Aperol and Campari um, were both uh, created in Milan, and okay. Campari is the main drink, main alcohol, main alcohol that goes in um, a Negroni. So you got to have a Negroni. You got to sit outside by the Navili Canal and and kick it for you know a couple hours and see the sunset there. But in terms of like the touristy thing, you got to see the Last Supper, of course, and that's something that gets booked out months in advance. And it's really, really difficult kind of thing to book, but it's very much so worth it. It's a, it's an awesome, uh, it's an awesome painting. So Last Supper, the Negroni, seven o'clock sitting out there. And we'll get into like the nightlife, the eating, and places to go. But are there any like when I'm visiting, right? I, I said, Julie, where can I just go see some landmarks or historical landmarks? Where can I walk? Is there a lot of areas to walk around and just explore? Is it historic there? Are there churches there? Is there any, besides some of the things you just mentioned, what else could you be doing in Milan if you're, if you're, if you're there? Absolutely. They're, the old part of town, so the old, the old town in Milan um, is, is where you want to go in terms of walking. I, but, and, I, and I was mad because I discovered it like, kind of later on in my program, but it's like the best gelato, the best food, the cobblestone road there. So that's like known as like the authentic old part of Milan. And I mean, that, that's where you see, that's where you have the best, the best food, generally speaking, best gelato. There's a panzerotti, but there's a, so like what we have is pizza rolls in America are these panzerotis there. They're called panzerotis and they're like these breaded, you know, breaded pizza that are fried and they don't feel like they're terrible. They gotta be terrible for you, but they're so good. You get them there too. Yeah, I would say the old old part of Milan is definitely is definitely the neighborhood you want to be in. Now that you've been gone and now in New York for a couple months, what do you miss most about Milan? It's hard to say anything but the food. But in terms of my so definitely the food, definitely the food. I mean, just like I'm a, I'm like big into nutrition and like I understand that like grains like the food system here is not as clean. Like the grains here aren't as clean. You could go eat a full bowl of pasta there and a, and a pizza too and feel so good about it, no bloating, no anything. Like right. that's the easy answer. That's the easy answer. But in terms of like specifically like the study abroad lifestyle, I would say that I miss just like waking up and like your itinerary is obviously like you go to class and stuff like that. But the main goal is, is cultural academic. Like you're going to, it's like, what am I going to go? I can, I can go to any museum I want. I can do anything. And I, I can plan the travel weekend this weekend. What do, what do I want to go 
explore next. Like it's like that's what I really miss. Especially um, now I I wake up and go to the subway, my, the exact same route to the subway. There's no no deviation in my daily routine nowadays. So I mean, there and abroad, you wake up, it's like, all right, what are we doing today? It's gonna be something different. You're gonna eat something different. You're gonna do something different. So yeah. What was your favorite restaurant to go to in Milan? Besides the one that you mentioned, the uh, the Oscar. Besides the Oscar, I'm gonna have to give you a non-Italian restaurant. Obviously, it's a metropolitan city. There's food from everywhere, all over the world. We had a bottomless sushi spot, or I guess the word I guess the word is uh, what do you call it? It's like unlimited sushi. For, okay. You, know, you pay an upfront fee, and you get you know this menu, and and you can you can like there should be no there should be a sign that says like no Americans welcome. Because we abuse it. We like. There's no way that they are operating on a profit on our table because we depleted their inventory. We would just order everything. We'd, at one point, we'd be literally order a full. Like we'd be like, all right, we're gonna take this whole page. Like get get like whenever it comes out, it comes out. They're just pumping them up. I'm forgetting the name of it. It's something fusion. Some it's called some fusion. But the, there's a bunch of them all around town, and they're all very very good. They're super high quality. So it's a chain. That's just. This all-you-can-eat sushi place? They're not, not necessarily a chain, but you see you see them everywhere, and they're and they're all pretty very high quality, to be honest. Okay, not necessarily a chain, but there's yeah, there are a couple of more chains. I remember I, I'll, I'll think of the name and and you'll I'll, think of it. Are there places where you can go like late night? Like where's a great late night? I'm coming home from a bar. It's like past midnight. Wh- what are you eating? Are things open, Milan? Yes, absolutely, they are open. I would say there's this bakery. So one of the main district nightlife areas is called the Navili Canal. So there's there's a bakery, a Sicilian bakery strategically placed on the end of the Navili Canal on everyone's way home. And they have those panzerotis that I was talking about, but they also have risotto, fried risotto balls. Okay. Which, yeah, that was hit the spot. And I would, uh, I'm ashamed to say I've spent a little bit more money than I would have liked at that bakery, but it's yeah, it's a Sicilian bakery. There's plenty. There's plenty of those everywhere too. And let's let's talk about that cash flow. I know in certain European countries, did you bring cash? What do you recommend for a student? Are you using just your Chase Sapphire credit card, euros? Do they accept even American money, or is it just strictly euros? Because I know in Spain it was a little different. Paris was a little different. London. How is it in Milan? I would say that. I personally did not use cash once. I want to be honest. I think that the Chase Sapphire is like you want. Yeah, that's what you want. Those no, the no, no international fee credit card. To be completely honest with you, that's it makes it easy. You don't have to like. It's one less thing to stress about having you know go and exchange in cash. And like nowadays, like the exchange, like getting a good rate, is so it's so annoying. And and especially for a whole some it's a whole semester you're living there. You're not just yeah. Living. I agree with you on that. It's very paperless and wireless. It was easy. But were there any specific places that only accept? I know in Barcelona, Julia told me you have to bring at least this amount in euros because they only accept euros. Like, was there any cash only places in Milan that we need to worry about? Not a single one. All right. Let's go into uh, the nightlife. Let's talk about the bars or even clubs is it more of a bar scene or milan you think of fancy and nice and you know uh, how, how people dress is it more club scene or is it more bar scene and what did you like where where are the students hanging out to answer the question about you know bars or clubs it's a, it's like a full spectrum and there's everything in between too you know there the club scene definitely exists and it's but it's more on the like 
luxurious side of things. So it's obviously like a little bit, you're paying premiums and stuff relative to those other like nightlife driven cities. But I mean, the, and the environments and all the, and all the bars and all, and all the clubs are like, everyone's dressed extremely well. And it's, it's, it's like a very luxurious environment. I would say inter- bar wise, my favorite bar was Zog, Z-O-G on the Navili Canal. It's a great place early in the night. You can grab a bite you can, and you can get, um, you know, early drinks. And then as the night goes on, Terrazza is, is the number one like student spot. It's in, in the Duomo Plaza. So you see the Duomo and it's not one of those like laser kind of club nightclubs with bass in your ear and you can't hear anything. It's, it's on a, it's on a terrace. It's hence the name Terrazza. And you see the Duomo. It feels very Milan-esque because I mean, the Duomo is a beautiful building at night and the environment's awesome. And yeah, no, no lasers in your face and bass. It's more like casual and, you know, Good Not that EDM techno, zzz, 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 like exactly. Need to wear glasses. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that, right. that was my personal favorite, Terrazza. Terrazza, and then you said a good bar to start out, maybe pregame is Zogs. Yeah, Z O G Zog. All right. Is there uh, any other maybe d- down on on your B list that you're like, all right, let's try this, or maybe parents are in town because I know when I was going in town, I did not do any club scenes, but I did go to different bars throughout that you know my daughters took me to. What other cool bars would you say were some fun establishments that you frequently visited? So one that one that recently got a lot of so a little bit of publicity on Barcelona Sports was oh a place called La Fontanella by by where I was living in the Nibili area kind of. And so that La Fontanella means like the fountain. And basically okay. the reason why I was like, you know, getting traction on Barcelona sports was because every, it's a strictly beer. They only, they only serve beer and, or they have other cocktails, but their thing is serving beer in these like weird vase shaped items. They have one called the COVID, which literally is a big glass ball. It looks like a COVID thing. There's one called like, locomotive locomotivo it's a train it's a big train with a smoke thing coming out and there's and it's full of beer it's like the weirdest thing ever but it was so like that was the spot student wise like whenever we were born if we'd ever didn't know what was going on fontanelle was was the spot that was and i didn't get to bring my mom there but the parents that had gone got a kick out of it for sure now obviously where there are studying abroad cultural experiences and classes uh, this is huge for students and parents First, were your classes, and do you recommend? I'm gonna, I won't even assume. But when were your classes? Was it in the afternoon, tonight, uh, early morning? Which I'm gonna say no. Or then was it uh, Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday? Talk to me about your, your when your classes were. So my classes were Monday through Thursday, and most of the Fridays were off. But then they would they would have specific Fridays that were exam Fridays. So those were those were weekends where you ne- didn't necessarily travel, and if you were, you weren't going far. So the, the Friday exam, the Friday on we, uh, days. So then in terms of like my schedule, I had pretty much everything from two to six or, or I would maybe like one to six. I had a two, my Tuesday, I had a Tuesday that was very heavy that I would offload a class on. And then, so that freed up my Thursday afternoon. So that let me go do an, a fun activity Thursday afternoon, start the weekend kind of early. And lo- that would mean locking in on Tuesday and doing three classes that day. So scheduling wise, I kind of accidentally, like I didn't necessarily engineer it to be, to be like that, but I wanted to optimize my weekends. I knew that. And I think anyone would want to as well. I think you nailed it right on the point because the students that I'm talking to that have come a, a part of this episode, they talk about most of your classes. It just sounds standard afternoon classes, right? You're out done early Thursday 
and then you're off on the weekend traveling, which we'll get into. What was your attendance record? Because I know it's very strict. How many classes were you allowed to miss? So I had to take an Italian class. In the Italian class, you could only miss three. And then the other classes, you could only miss two. And I took all my skips. And I did take, I think it was like a 4% grade deduction in Italian because I skipped two more. One skip, 2% down. But I ended up still with an A in the class. It was fine. The attendance is definitely not a joke. Like I'm sure everyone tells from all the programs. The attendance is legit. At Bocconi, however, the attendance is not not enforced mainly at all. But because that there's like class dynamic is very, very hard exams. Like that's where your that's where your grades are gonna suffer. Not they, they tell you you can't you can not show up to anything. Very similar to America, you can just not show up to anything. But there's not even assignments to buffer your grade at Bocconi. That your grade is 100% that final exam, sometimes a midterm. So if you're taking a class at Bocconi, I would definitely make sure to not prolong the, uh, you know, not kick the study session, studying down the road and, and go to class. Great advice, great recommendations. And yes, that's why I always ask about attendance because people that are listening to this, students and parents, it's legit. It's no joke. You have to show up for class. And then obviously the teachers want you there. They're going to want you to go out there and have fun too. But that's why there's a limit, two or three, and obviously take advantage of them. So let's go into why you go to school abroad and you can miss your two to three because obviously you're there for three months, for I think it's like 12 weeks, for uh, 16 weeks. There's a lot of weekends and you're traveling. I mean, Ramen, do you remember, seriously, how many weekends did you stay in Milan? I mean, that's a great question because I, I would like to think it was more than, more than three or four, but it was probably like around three or four. I was every weekend bouncing around. I did three ski trips. I was, I mean, you're a skier, Mr. Fong. Skiing is uh, one of the main reasons why I wanted to be in, in you know, the northern part of Italy because it's so close to the Alps. So I did three ski weekends, Chamonix twice, and then I went to the Tomorrowland Music Festival where it was in the mountains and skiing and stuff. The Chamonix, did you go on that trip? Is that the one that Julia went on? Sadly, no. I went the week after them. I went the week after them. But I don't think we I don't think they got better snow than I don't think anyone got good snow. I think it was terrible. No. I think even before the weekend she went, she's like, look it, there's like no snow here. I go, you'll be fine. Maybe in a week or two weeks, it'll snow and it started snowing, but it was late. It was a horrible year, but she told me that was a really fun resort. I mean, it's not like U.S. skiing, but it's it's different, right? It's absolutely different. And you you go there and you realize like the European ski vibe is not necessarily time spent on your skis. Like they go up there and they, you know, sit in the mountain and drink Aperols and have lunch and stuff. They don't really... Maybe your type of skiing, Mr. Vong, like like in Deer Valley. But so I was actually in Deer Valley oh the New Year's just before going abroad. And that was like a record snow, like most snow I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. It was record season. Yeah, record season. So I got my dose, I got my dose of good snow. So come time to go to Europe, the skiing vibe was definitely more of a, you know, hanging out and having having an app roll or two on the mountain. But I gotta say, and this is a great, great takeaway for your podcast. You got to be safe and never, I, I, I got to like emphasize this. Like we had, uh, there's an unfortunate horror story. Of, I, I believe it was some Michigan, some Michigan kids. Someone got, someone might've passed away, I think. And someone got very, very hurt. It's definitely, you know, drinking and going on the mountain is not a smart idea. Like go, doing it after and, and, and stuff like that. It's definitely something you should be aware of. And like, 
the American mindset might be, okay, look, let's drink and ski, but it's, you should definitely separate the two. You do one or the other. Um, and you know, got to make sure that no one's doing any, it's easy to get carried away in the Alps too, and do some crazy run and stuff. I love how you hit home on that because even today it's like, we'll ski hard and then we'll go for opera. That's why opera ski, right? We'll have drinks after you ski hard. So you can have that opportunity, but shoot. I mean, that's that, I'm glad you brought that up because in college we weren't even wearing skiing helmets. We were having boda bags. We were skiing and getting hammered. As soon as we started getting to the slopes, and somehow we made it out alive. But now I couldn't even imagine not wearing a, a helmet today, right? Or you know, after my two, one o'clock, two o'clock, drinking down the slopes, I'm trying to get back, and so I can start my evening. Oh yeah, so, exactly. And, yeah. That, and I don't mean say that to discourage first timers from going on that a great, you know. French Alps experience. So my, my friend Leo, first time ever skiing, we brought him with us. We went up, first time on the bunny hill. I think he did like not even half a run. I'm like, all right, Leo, let's get up there. He was with three, you know, we were, we were pretty experienced the rest of us. So I'm like, all right, Leo, we're getting you up there. Like, I want to go see Mont Blanc. Like, I want to do the real stuff with you. We take him up there and the kid could like only skis backward. Like every time we would car, we would just immediately start going backwards and then wipe out. So funny. He's very, you know, it was, it was awesome. But we, you know, we were watching him. We make sure he's not doing anything crazy. No one's obviously intoxicated where like he enjoyed being in Chamonix for the, his first ever ski experience. And of course we followed with that with a great opera and, you know, had some, all, the cuisine in Chamonix is like, you know, there's a high concentration of Michelin stars down there. Like it's an awesome spot. You should definitely not be discouraged by not have gone, not skiing at all. In, in- well, I commend you for taking beginners because Julia, they did not take any beginners. It was only a skiers trip. So Props to you because someone may not have that opportunity. They got to experience a great time. All right. I'm going to ask you this. What was your least favorite country that you uh, visited? Oh, man. that That's a good question. That's hard. You're putting me on the spot here. I want to say if if I didn't have my best friends with me in in Budapest, I don't, th- I don't think I would have known what to do there because it really is like a one and done thing in my opinion. And I, and I had gone with my Barcelona friends that I hadn't seen in so long. I hadn't seen him in a good month and a half or two. Um, and we were like, we, we were like 15 to 20 people, but we were rolling very deep there. And we had the place we were staying was like five bedroom penthouse apartment with a hot tub in the middle with a sauna inside. Like it was very much that we lucked out. That's why the trip was fun. I don't know that I'll be back at Budapest otherwise. Like you recommend going. That's one of the countries I've never been to. I want to go check out Budapest. Is it worth going to? No, it's definitely worth going to, but I think All it's right. going to be a one and done for it's a one and done for me on Budapest. You know, Eastern Europe is great. My family, I have a lot of family that lives in Istanbul. I wish that I was a, would have been able to round up some of my friends to go to Istanbul because that, that's, a, that's a really, really cool city. I didn't end up getting to take, have my friends over at our place there. So, Where were you St. Patrick's Day? Had to do Dublin. Had to go to Dublin. So you were there, obviously, with all the Barcelona crew because they were there the same. They still talk about that. So was that your favorite country? And it was it because it was St. Patrick's Day or, or talk to me about uh, Dublin? I'm going to go ahead and say that St. Patrick's Day was my, the, my one of my favorite days of my life. And that's not even a exaggeration. Like everything from the environment to the atmosphere to the little baby Guinnesses to like the way that people are dressed to the, I don't know. I'd never been to, I'd never been to Ireland either. Um, and obviously it th- it's a little bit of an expensive trip. And, and people will tell you like, oh man, like everyone that went to Dublin, like they all said it was too expensive, all this. I think it's worth every penny. I did sleep on a floor both the both of the nights and i did say i had a, I had a sunday flight which ended up being the more expensive flight 
I moved to Saturday because I was like, I might need to get out of here. Like, I think it's time. I think I need to cut this trip a little early. Like I did St. Patrick's Day. Like, let's go home. I had I had a, a test on that Monday too. So that that played. That, well, very smart because I think St. Patrick's Day actually fell on a Friday this year, right? The it, so you yeah. were out Saturday, Saturday night. I'm done. You're, exactly. you're no more sleeping on the floor. No more floor for me. No more scoliosis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So obviously you have an internship right now in New York. Here's a good question. Did you have that internship prior to you going abroad or were you like the other, you know, like my daughter or some of her friends that were actually interviewing eight hours, different time zone for an internship all the way from February, March, April, and then landing something at the last minute? I had mine in advance of abroad. Uh, I got it just just a, like a couple weeks before winter break, I think it was mid-December or something. Um, and I'm very happy that I did. I think that you should absolutely block out some time going into, you know, before abroad to do it. Cause I could not imagine interviewing during abroad. I, I, it was not, I, you just don't feel like mentally that when I like, when you're, you're kind of in your interview mo- mode, like it's, it's like a month, a month of your life where you're just like very on it on everything. Like I was a very sharp and I work in finance. So like you kind of have to be like brush up on your technicals and stuff like that. So I was, I, I knew that I was not going to be able to do it in, uh, in Milan. And I'm I'm happy that I did it in advance. Well, and that's partly due to Wisconsin and some of the majors like real estate or finance. You have those opportunities and you're interviewing like fall of your junior year as to let me ask you this. Do you know of anyone in Milan that was interviewing during their abroad series? Definitely. Absolutely. Like the like journalism school, you had people in other other majors, not necessarily in business school, but also the B school, you know, you had B school kids too. My friend, that, uh, you know, some of my Indiana friends were, were interviewing during the time. And yeah, I mean, it just involved, like they obviously, you know, had brought, you know, their, their business clothes to interview in. And I don't think it was terribly too much. And I'm sure you heard from Julie, like, obviously it's a little bit of a burden in the time zone thing, but it also, did, here's the thing, it made for a good icebreaker. It sounded like, because all those people that I did, for any time I did have to hop on a call, that was, uh, you know, with some professionally or network call or whatever. The fact that you're abroad is like so, uh, like it's so appealing to, to, you know, people, and they just, I think it's a great icebreaker. Like they, I think that it's awesome that we'd get the opportunity to do this, and we're so fortunate, and people love talking to you about it. So it makes for a good icebreaker. If you had to do it all over again, would you do anything differently in terms of going to abroad? I would have been much better about planning my trips. I paid premiums on the spot the last minute spontaneous kind of trips but at the same time you know the spontaneous stuff is is, is also uh more fun but you know when you randomly decide to take a train to i don't know switzerland and go try that chocolate factory or whatever because you heard about it or just saw it on tiktok about it. like it but yeah the spontaneity is great but it's like you're gonna pay a lot more and and, and boy if you had an, if you had that lockdown even a week before or two weeks before it's so much, so much cheaper. So, in terms of like micro, I would have definitely planned in advance. I would have also tried to recruit more people to come to Milan with me. I, I, I took a risk on. It. I didn't know if it was going to be fun or not. And obviously, in hindsight, I was. I, I think it's one of the best cities ever. I want. I would. I would buy an apartment in Milan when I'm older. And I, I wish I would have brought you know a couple of more of my best friends with me there so they could experience it with me and try to recruit them to go with me and stuff. That's great recommendations because now someone's listening to this. They might say, dude, Raman just talked awesome about Milan. And technically, we're only there for maybe three or four weekends. I mean, we're there during the week, but like we can go to Dublin. We can go to Barcelona. We can go to London. We can go to Paris. 
But the planning is so key. I think, I believe I had Fran and uh, Maggie Kuyper, Fran Diaz on talking about Barcelona. And they were talking about how they had little pods, groups of you, you control London, you control Paris, you plan this out. So it wasn't like everyone, all chiefs running the same thing, right? Or there's like your daughter just took control of everything. I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. go figure. She's very organized and structured. I remember she was calling me and saying, hey, we're planning out our trips. This was like in late January, February. We're buying our airline tickets. I'm like, you only live once. Do it. Just do it. And now she looks back on it and a great experience. I mean, great experience in Milan. It seems like you had a phenomenal time. You've shared some great insights, intel about Milan and hopefully more Wisconsin kids, not only Wisconsin kids, but more students go out and, and, and experience Milan. Absolutely. And one more thing I will add about it is the airport, the airport's awesome. It flies everywhere. And, and that's obviously very important, but we had kids from Florence and Rome coming up to Berg- to our airports up in Milan because we had the better flights. So that's great. One last thing I'm going to ask you, cause you're in Milan, you're in Italy. Was it quick trips to Rome, to Florence, to, I mean, there's so much to do in Italy and that's why I have different podcasts on with different places in Italy, but how often did you just stay in the country? Oh, it, it was some of my favorite trips were staying in the country. I mean, you, when you have Lake Como 30 minutes from you. You can I, I I sometimes did some afternoons there, like not even a day trip. I, after class, some of those days, I would literally go to Lake Como, hang out, and come back that night because it's so close. I mean, and, and it's so awesome. Lake Como is like picturesque. But then also you have you know Turin or you know Florence. The way they just added the Ro- uh, train to Rome that was two hours and a half. It was like a quicker train. Italy's beautiful. I didn't make it down to the south. They didn't make it down to. Sicily, okay. but I'll be back. I'll, I'll definitely be back. There's so much more to explore there. All right. One last question. What are you looking forward to the most as you enter your senior year at the University of Wisconsin? That's a great question. I feel like, oh, I have to say going to the KK, but also I'm, I'm, I'm excited to uh, have what might be a great Badger football team, fingers crossed, not, and knock on wood, might have one of the better you know, out, of my, out of my four years. Haven't you know? Haven't seen the best Badger football, so really, uh, really excited to see what we can put together here. This season, absolutely, definitely looking forward to getting together with you when we're uh, back out in Madison. We'll be up there for the Ohio State game. I'm going to be at the Indiana game uh, when Wisconsin plays them, and I'll be back for the Northwestern. So three times uh, out there, definitely uh, besides graduation. But we'll everyone's 21 now so uh, we, we we will definitely be going to the kk and you know what although wisconsin football may not have had the best success in the first three years and they might have a good year this year it's all about when you graduate because when you're alumni and now that the usc and ucla are part of the big 10 i told julia these alumni games that we plan are going to be much more fun because you're not going to be at a fraternity house you're going to be able to go actually experience a tailgate drink and like You'll have a you have a big girls job, right? And you guys will be a big big alumni. I mean, you guys have grown up so much since you were in my backyard right over here that freshman year. And jump around came around, oh, yeah. song came around. I go, you know, this is tradition. You guys were looking around like, what the heck is this? And <laughs> you really don't know until you experience it. Do you remember that day? Oh, absolutely. That was that was an awesome little tailgate that we put on that you put on in in Newport. It was awesome. And yes. and you're absolutely right about you know a, a Badger diploma. It's not just a four-year thing. It you know, keeps on giving. And I am excited to be an alum. Like I, 
you know, it sucks to say, but it also is going to be amazing to say that I'm that you know you're an alum of a part of such an awesome, uh, awesome school. Well, the next uh, your second career podcast you might have to come on is the hiring manager because obviously we we talk about how to get jobs and obviously you got your internship, but just the role playing, how to. Uh, find that prospect, how to interview, what to do, what not to do, uh, even during your senior year as you're getting ready to graduate. But that's for another time and day. Today, we just talked about Milan. Raman, it was great having you. I greatly appreciate you sharing your insights. For Fonger News and the student manager, we are out. Pleasure being on here. Thanks for having me.